When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like seas billows roll, whatever my life thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul with my soul Though trials they come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my heavenly day. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well, it is well With my soul, it is well, it is well with my if you don't feel like it's well, it is well. Even if it doesn't look like it's well, it is well. Even if nobody else will agree with you that it's well, it is well. As long as you have faith in Jesus Christ, he will make it well with your soul. Come on, let's give him some glory on this morning. It's all about him. It's all about trusting Him. Thank God for folks that love you. Thank God for folks that will loan you money. Thank God for folks that let you come stay with them if you need a place to stay. But the only reason why folk are willing to do that is because they got the love of Jesus in their hearts. Amen. 
Amen. Listen, here's the thing about Jesus. Even when folk can't do or won't do for you, Jesus can make a way out of no way. Do I have a witness here that God can make a way out of no way? All right now. So as long as you know that, as long as you've got some past experience, some history with God of him making a way out of no way, you ought to know that it's always well. Or you can have a moment in time when you doubt it, but the Holy Spirit will remind you, I got you. I got you. Folk not going to hold you back. I got you. Your circumstance is not going to keep you down. I got you. A bad medical report is not going to be the end. I got you. It is well. It's well. Because God will make it well. Father, we thank you that at all times, in all situations, we can turn to you. Lord, you said that we have not because we ask not. Lord, don't ever let us be so proud not to take everything to you in prayer. And Lord, after you bless us, remind us that somebody else needs to know that you are the God that sits high, you look low. All power, all wisdom, all authority, ever present. You can't do anything but not fail. You won't ever fail. You can never fail, and you won't fail. Lord God, remind us at all times that if we'll keep on trusting you, you'll show us what to do. And what we can't do, Lord, you'll do it for us because you don't need us to do anything. But Lord God, just remind us to keep our faith in you. And Lord, remind us that we need to be obedient to your word. Lord God, we have to be sincere about wanting to have a do-right mind and a do-right heart. Even when we fall short, you'll forgive us, but, we, but that should be our desire to live holy and to live in ways that please you. Help me to preach this word with clarity and conviction. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Giving honor to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity of Jehovah God, to the leadership of Roanoke-Salem, to the members of Roanoke-Salem, to those of you who are visiting. Thank you for being with us this morning. We know you could have been other places, but we thank you that you came to worship with us. To my sister in Christ who's with me today, thank you, Reverend Lee. And we pray for the other brothers and sisters in Christ who are at various places on this morning. I will not be before you long, and I know when people say that, they're usually not telling the truth, but I'm going to time myself. I'm going to tell you a story this morning now. Um, <clears throat> Derek, I think this is going to be a series. I said it's going to be a series. I don't know, but I put it down here, series. And the series will be called Moving Forward. That's what we ought to all be doing in our lives. We ought to always be trying to move forward. I don't care if you're 15, 55, 65, 85. If God has given you breath in your body, spiritually speaking, you ought to be moving forward. Because there's always something you can do for the Lord until the day you die. You may not be able to physically get out and do things, but right where you are, you can pray. You can praise. You can tell others about the goodness of the Lord. So God can use you until your last breath if we will let him. So, so, so that's what I mean by moving forward. So this is the Moving Forward series. This is the first message in the Moving Forward series. Uh, it's going to come from the 51st Psalm. It's going to come from the 51st Psalm. I'm going to read three sets of scriptures from the 51st Psalm. Ushers, yeah, you all can be seated. Thank you. 
Psalm 51, I'm going to read three different sets of scriptures from the 51st Psalm. Let me start with Psalm uh, 51. Let me read verses um, 1 through 4. This is from the New International Version, verses 1 through 4. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Listen, verse 2. Wash away all my iniquity. Iniquity is a spirit, not, not, not like a demonic spirit, but iniquity is that, that mindset that you have that you, that you live in sin. That's iniquity. You know, it's not, not, not a, a demonic possession spirit, but you just, you're not in the right place in your head. You're not living, you're not in the right frame of mind with God, and it causes iniquity. And then, and then the second part of verse 2 says, and cleanse me from my sin. Okay, verse 3. For I know my transgressions and my, my listen, I know my transgressions, my wrongdoing, and my specific sin is always before me. Verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are, pro so you are proved what right when you speak and justify when you just. So in other words, when our judgment time comes, when God convicts us, God the Holy Spirit, those of us who are saved, God the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He's always right to judge us and to tell us when we're wrong. That's his privilege and right to do. Let's go to verses 10 through 12. Verses 10 through 12. Verse 10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast, in the, in the King James it says, a right spirit within me. Verse 11. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. I just told you. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. David is crying out to the Lord, Lord, I know I messed up. Lord, please create in me a new heart. And don't take the Holy Spirit from me, Lord. Because David got enough sense to know he's going to be lost. Now, the Holy Spirit didn't dwell in folks back in those days like it did today because Jesus hadn't come. But he had the sense of the Trinity of God. That's what it was. Not the literally indwelling of the Holy Spirit like we, we do, but he knew of the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse, um, 13, verse uh, 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then finally, let's look at verses 13 and 15. He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Verse 14, save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me. And my tongue will do what? Will sing of your righteousness. Verse 15. Open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Amen. Amen. Just for a few minutes, we're going to um, reason together from this thought. Moving from sin to celebration. Moving from sin to celebration. I want to tell you a story about a guy named Jason Williams, J-A-Y-S-O-N. There were three, they, over, the, over the last 20 years or so of professional basketball in the National Basketball Association, there have been three guys who all had the name Jason Williams. But today I'm talking about Jason Williams who, who played nine seasons for the, first he played for the Philadelphia 76ers and, and then he played for the team that used to be called the New Jersey Nets. They're called the Brooklyn Nets now. Jason Williams is six foot ten, um, 
about 225 pounds or so, very handsome guy. Um, he was an NBA all-star. He was one of the greatest of, of offensive rebounders in the last 25 years. Uh, but that was back in the day. Today, Jason Williams is a former prisoner. He's a former prisoner, and he's trying to move forward with his life. Um, in 2000, the year 2000, Jason had retired from the NBA because he, he broke his ankle. He was playing in a game, and uh, one of his teammates fell, and he fell, and he ended up breaking his ankle. And the injury was so severe, even though it was fixed, he could not play basketball to the level that he once had, so he was forced to retire. So that was in 2000. In 2002, while he was under the influence of alcohol, Jason was given a tour of his huge mansion. He's got a big mansion in New Jersey. He had some buddies over, and he was giving them a tour of his mansion. And uh, he was also showing off his gun collection. That was one of his, you know, things. He loved to collect guns. That was one of his hobbies, collecting guns. So, so he, was, he was in his bedroom with his buddies, and he was standing there holding a double-barrel shotgun. And this limo driver, a man named Costas Christoffi, uh, he walked into the room where Jason and his buddies were standing. Jason says he, he at, what he did was, according to the, the, the police report, he told the police he, the gun was, the, the double barrel shotgun was, was open. You know how, you know, you can click, you know, and it opens up. He clicked it back together, and when he snapped it back together, he didn't realize there was a shell still in one of the barrels. And he shot Mr. Christoffi in his chest and killed him. After he shot and killed Mr. Christoffi, Jason asked his buddies to lie for him because he wanted to hide the truth from what had happened. But his buddies wouldn't lie for him. In 2010, after eight years of legal maneuvering, which included a mistrial, he did, go to, he did have a trial, but when it came to the point for the jury to make a decision, the jury was hung. They could not... They were evenly split on whether or not to, to, char to, to convict him of the charges, so that was a mistrial. But after eight years of, of legal maneuvering, including a mistrial, remember now, this started in 2000, Jason finally pleaded guilty to a charge of aggravated assault in Mr. Christoffi's death. He also pleaded guilty to lying about the incident. He was sentenced to five years in prison and he was eligible for parole after 18 months. Jason served a total of about 22 months in prison. He was released in 2012. Amen. And I want to also make a note that Mr. Christoffi's family, Jason paid his family $2 million to settle a, a, civ a civil wrongful death suit. I saw Jason Williams on TV last Thursday morning. I was watching the Today Show. Julia and myself were at home watching it, and and he was talking about the fact that he's sober now, but, but, he, and, but he's working with, uh, with addiction groups to, keep, to get his life back on track. He's working with the group for people who are former addicts, and, and he's trying to help other people uh, 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 get off their substance abuse problems and get their lives back on track. And Jason said he thinks about Mr. Christoffi every day. And then he said whenever he begins to have any kind of fun in his life, Whenever he begins to have any kind of enjoyment, he says that uh, the guilt and the shame of killing Mr. Christoffi comes back to him. When he made that statement, when Jason Williams made that statement, I suddenly realized that he's probably part of a, a great number, an untold multitude number of people who can't enjoy their lives in the present because of the sins of their past. But according to God's word, 
and with God's help, Jason Williams, you, me, and anybody else, we can move from sin to celebration. Amen. Please allow me to offer Psalm 51 as proof to support what I'm saying. Let me just briefly summarize this, this writer. Y'all know who it is. It's David the king, David the boy, the boy shepherd who killed Goliath and became king and all this and all that. Well, we know there was a point in his life where David saw a woman named Bathsheba and he committed adultery with her and then he tried to cover it up because she, she sent word to him that she was pregnant. She was married. She was somebody else's wife. And when David found out that she was pregnant, he tried to cover it up and uh, it ended up he couldn't cover it up and and, and he ultimately, David, not only had he committed the act of adultery, he also ended up having her husband killed. David did that. God sent a prophet named Nathan to confront David. And David admitted what he had done. That's what this 51st Psalm is about. In this life, our troubles, our trials, and our tribulations, they come either out of something, they come mostly because of something that's out of our control, Sometimes it's somebody else's fault or it's our own fault. David and Jason Williams are men who got into trouble by their own fault. And we're not different. There are some things in my past. There are some things in your past right now that even though you're saved and you may have asked God to forgive you and God may have, a matter of fact, not maybe he has forgiven you, but you still have guilt. You still have shame. You still can't forgive yourself. And because you can't, it's causing you not to fully enjoy your life. Amen. Jason Williams is not by himself, and David was this way. That's why he wrote this 51st Psalm. Amen. And many times our troubles are our own fault. And one of the consequences of creating our own trouble is that some folks will turn and walk away from us and act like they never knew us. I don't get hung up, and I, Ronald Salem, I say this respectfully. I don't say this arrogantly. And I'm saying this to my church family, those of I say this respectfully. I'm like most of you. I truly appreciate when folk tell me, you know, I, I think you do well. I, I appreciate the sermon. You know, you're a nice guy. Uh, you're, and people say good things. I appreciate it, but I don't get hung up about it. Because I have some real life recent experiences of how folks will tell you today they love you and next week they can't stand you. I know how people will walk away from you when there's even just that much of a little controversy or a little something negative besides your name. Some of the same folk that told you they love you so good, you can't find them. Let your name end up on WRAL. WTVD. Let your name end up in, in Ronald, uh, what is it, uh, the spin? Ronald, our, our spin. Let your name end up in the, in the Ronald Crappers paper, the Daily Herald, for something negative and see how many folk call you just to say, look, I, I just read it, I just heard I just want to know, how are you doing? How can I help you? The devil is a lie. Folk will see you coming and run the other way. Hey, uh, hey, bro, hey, bro, hey, brother Steve, uh, um, Ain't, ain't Reverend Hudson one of your friends? No, he ain't no friend of mine. No, I go over there and him sometimes, but I barely know the Negro. No, no, he ain't no friend of mine. Where you get that from? Don't tell nobody that. But I'm so glad that Jesus Christ 
is not like you and me. If we have a relationship with Jesus, he won't turn his back on us, no matter what we do. No matter what you've done. Even if you've not asked him to forgive you, even now he'll still accept you. If you ask him to be your Lord and Savior. He won't leave us. He won't forsake us. Some Christians don't like that. There are a lot of Christians that don't want to hear that people can't be forgiven for murder. There are a lot of Christians that don't want to hear that people can be forgiven, amen, for rape. There are a lot of Christians that don't want to hear that people can be forgiven for abortions. There are a lot of people that don't want to hear Christians can be, get, be forgiven uh, 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 for, for people in general, not just Christians, but people can be forgiven for, for sexual immorality of all kinds. There are a lot of people, and especially some Christians, who don't want to hear that people can do those things and be forgiven for them. But whether you agree with me or not, go to God's Word and read it for yourself. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm telling you what it says in the Word of God. Jesus will do his part to help us move from sin to celebration. But we have to do our part, too. Three things, three things we must do if we want to move from the guilt and shame of our sins to a place of joy and celebration. Here's the first thing we got to do. We got to take, number one, take full responsibility for our sins. That's number one. Whatever it was, when you go to God in prayer, Tell the truth. First of all, he already knows. You can't leave out some details and act like because you didn't say it, he don't know what. He saw it when you did it. He's, that, the word says his presence is everywhere all the time. He's always, he saw it when you did it. He knew what you were thinking when you did it. So just because when I pray to him, I don't tell God the whole truth, that don't mean he doesn't know it. Yeah, he know it. And that's going to be part of my problem, that I don't come clean with him. But in verses 1 through 4 of Psalm 51, that's what David did. He came clean. David came clean about what he did. When Nathan confronted him, David broke down and started crying like a baby, and he went into a season of mourning for his sin. David was truly, deeply sorry and hurt because he knew he was wrong. And he really wanted God to forgive him. Why? Because he wanted to have that right relationship with God again. God had been so good to him. A shepherd boy tending his daddy's sheep to the king of Israel. God gave him power and authority and riches. And when he said jump, folk had to jump. And then he sinned against God. And he knew he was sinning against God. But when he got confronted, he told the truth. He went to God in prayer. This 51st Psalm is written directly to the Lord. David even said, against you and you alone, Lord, have I committed this sin. So so again, the first thing, if we want to go from sin to celebration, we've got to take full responsibility for our sin. And then one more quick thing. And let's call it what it is. Let's stop talking about when people make mistakes. It's a mistake. Now, let me say this, because... Because I'm not, being, I'm not being holier than that, I'm being for real. A mistake is something you may do that you don't really intend to do. That's a mistake. I can mess up bad, but that, that was not my intention. That's a mistake. That's truly a mistake. But when I decide to do something that I know is wrong, 
and I go on to do it anyway. That ain't no mistake. That's sin. Call it what it is. It's sin. Call it sin. So number one, take full responsibility. David didn't blame Bathsheba. He didn't blame his circumstances. He owned up to it, and we must own up. We must call sin, sin. If anybody goes to Jesus in prayer and admits their sin or their sins, asks for forgiveness, the Bible says Jesus will forgive us and restore us to himself. How do I know that? Because of John 1 and 9, but I'm reading this from the Amplified. Y'all heard me say it a gazillion times, but let me read it to you from the Amplified Bible. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we freely admit that we have sinned, and if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just. Well, in fact, it says faithful and true, true to his own nature and promises, and he will forgive our sins, he will dismiss our lawlessness, and he will continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? Unrighteousness is everything not in conformity to his purpose and his thought and thoughts and action. My simple definition of sin, y'all have heard me say it a hundred times. If what I think, say, and do is contrary to God's word, I'm in sin. Amen. Period. End of conversation. Yeah. If what I think and what I say and what I do, if it's contrary to God's word, that's sin. That's right. Amen. That's what sin is. So, so that's the first thing. If we want to go from sin to celebration, number one, we got to take full responsibility for our sins. Here's number two. If we're going from sin to celebration, number two, we got to ask Jesus to change us into who we should be. Yeah. Amen. Ask Jesus to change us into who we should be. Amen. That's found in verses 10 through 12 when Jesus starts asking the Lord to create in him uh, 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 a new heart and renew a right spirit in him. Jesus has the supernatural authority and the power to make anybody do whatever he wants us to do. Amen. Now listen to what I'm getting ready to say carefully because I'm setting something up. Jesus has the supernatural authority and he has the supernatural power to make you do and make me do whatever he wants me to do. Amen. Amen. Now he can do that if he wants to, but wait a minute, there's something else though. But he also gave us a free will. He gave us a free will. What's that? He gave us the ability to choose what we think, to choose what we say, and to choose what we do. In other words, we are free to choose how we're going to think, what we say, and what our actions are going to be, what our behavior is going to be. In most cases, Jesus works with us when we choose to make positive changes in our lives. I say in most cases because there are some examples in the Old Testament where the Bible tells us clearly God made somebody do some things, right? But in most cases in our day and time, Jesus will work with us when we choose, when we exercise our free will and we choose to make positive changes in our life. And I know that's right because from Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2, and this is from the Amplified as well. Romans 12 verse 1 says, we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. Now, that's verse number one. But listen to what verse number two says, Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse number two, talking about the fact that it's our choice to make these decisions. It says, do not be conformed to this world. This world in, the, in Amplified says the present age. That means don't be fashioned after and adapted to the external 
superficial customs of this present age, but be transformed, in parentheses, changed, be changed by the entire renewal of your mind. That means by its new ideals and new attitude. Some of us just need a new attitude. We need new ideas and we need a new attitude. Amen. So that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in God's eyes for you. So in other words, according to the Amplify, we have to choose. It says, do not be conformed to this world. That's, that means you, got to, you, can, you make that choice. You can, be com- you can stay conformed or you can choose not to be conformed. Amen. That's what it's saying. It said, but be transformed. Be changed uh, by, with new ideals and new attitude. Where are you going to get them from? The Bible. You need to read the Word. You need to study God's Word. And if you do that, you'll find out what is good and acceptable and perfect in God's eyes for us. Amen. Now, on your own time, I would encourage you to read the rest of Romans 12. There's only 21 verses. I've shared the first two with you. But on your own time, read the rest of Romans chapter 12, and you'll find out exactly how you go about changing uh, your attitude and changing your behavior. David's trouble brought him heartache and pain, but it also motivated him to make positive changes. David's trouble brought him heartache and pain, but his trouble also motivated him to make positive changes. Amen. And according to God's word, when David went back to obeying God, God restored his joy to David. When David made a change and he went back to obeying God, then God restored his joy to David. Every one of us need God's joy. We need God's joy in our lives. You know why? Because joy is not based on your circumstances. Happiness is based on your circumstances. If I'm happy today because I got $500 in the bank and I find out tomorrow something happened and somebody has stolen it from me, I ain't going to be happy no more. But if I have the joy of the Lord, I got $500 today, I say, thank you, Lord. If I lose the $500 tomorrow, I'm going to still say, thank you, Lord. Why? Because all the resources of the world belong to the Lord. And the same way he allowed that 500 to be gone, he can give me a thousand more back. So my joy is not based on my circumstances. My joy is always based on my faith in Jesus Christ and what he can do for me. Last thing, number three, going from sin to celebration. Number one, I told you, you got to take full responsibility for our sins. Number two, we got to ask Jesus to change us into who we should be. Here's the last one. Share your story. Give God all the glory. Share your story and give God all the glory. That's what happens in verses 13 and 15 of Psalm 51. David says, Lord, when you restore me, when you give me back your joy, David says, I'm going to sing a song, and I'm going to give you praise. Let me get into it. God punished David for his sin, for his sins. What happened? The child that he had, the first child that Bathsheba was pregnant with, the child, the child was born, but the child died. Amen. One of David's sons rebelled against him, even was willing to kill him 
to take him off the throne. There was a different son who sexually assaulted his stepsister. And the brother of that stepsister then turned around and killed the other brother, his, 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 his own stepbrother. And then the kingdom was always at war from that time forward. For the rest of David's natural life, the kingdom was always at war. Amen. Those were some of the consequences of David's sin. But listen, church family, in spite of it all, David says in verses 13 and 15, in spite of all this stuff that's going on around him, he says, number one, I'm going to tell other sinners how good God you are to me. Number two, he says, I'm going to teach sinners to obey you, Lord. And then number three, David says, I'm going to celebrate God. I'm going to celebrate you. Why was David going to do those things? Here he is. He's in all this trouble. He's shamed. He's embarrassed. He's got this guilt. The whole kingdom knows. Like I told you, one son trying to kill him. One son killed another son. Uh, the kingdom is at war. Why is it that with all that going on that David tells God, I'm going to celebrate you? Well, number one, I'm going to celebrate you, Lord, because you forgave my sins. God forgave David's sins, and he didn't take his life. Don't you know God can take your life anytime he gets ready? Don't you know it ain't got to be that you committed adultery, that you killed somebody? If you lie, you're lying against the Lord. God can take us out anytime he wants to. And he doesn't have, and I've said it before, he doesn't have to literally kill us. He can just make us null and void. You, you, you can go from knowing who you are right now and 15 minutes later, you don't even know you in the world. God can do that if he chose to, but he's a gracious and merciful God. He doesn't treat us like we sometimes deserve. So, so David says, I'm going to celebrate you, Lord, number one, because you forgave my sins. I'm going to celebrate you, Lord, because you forgave my sins and you didn't take my life. Number two, Lord, I'm going to celebrate you because you didn't remove me from the throne. Do y'all remember who was king before David? guy named Saul. Saul wasn't the man that God wanted to be king, but because the people wanted a king and God loved his prophet Samuel, Samuel picked Saul and said, Lord, I want him to be king. And God basically said, okay, if that's your choice, you go ahead. But Saul was hard-headed and disobedient, wouldn't even listen to what Samuel told him. He knew Samuel was the reason that he got a chance to be king, and he was even disobedient to Samuel. And ultimately, God took Saul out. So, so David also is celebrating now, even in the midst of his trouble, because God has forgiven him, didn't take his life. He hasn't taken him off the throne. And number three, I'm celebrating the Lord, David says, because God promised David. He said, David, even though you did what you did, I'm going to let you stay on this throne. And not only that, David, I'm going to make sure that for the, all the kings in the future will come out of your bloodline. Everybody else that will ever be a king in Israel, they will come directly out of your bloodline. And number four, here's, the main, here's another reason David could celebrate the Lord even in the midst of his trials and troubles after God forgave him is because God showed David and Bathsheba grace and mercy through their son Solomon. And Solomon became the wisest, richest, most honored king in the history of Israel. Matter of fact, Solomon is the most honored king in the history of the world. In every culture around the world, they know who King Solomon is. Movies have been made about King Solomon. Books have been written about King Solomon. Songs have been written about King Solomon. And that's the son of the man that committed adultery and killed somebody. 
God is able. And that's why we need to celebrate him. Solomon also, during the 40 years that he was king, there was no war in Israel. When his daddy was on the throne, there was war going on. When Solomon became king, there was no war for the 40 years he was king. As I close, I want us to think about the times that we have made choices to sin against God. Not when we made mistakes, when we chose to sin against God. And whether we were saved or unsaved, God punished us. And we may still be living in this very moment with the consequences of our sins. Amen. God has forgiven us, yes, but we still may be living like David did with some of the consequences of our sins. But all the real saved folks in here this morning, all the real followers of Jesus Christ, y'all know what I'm getting ready to say is true. We can still give God praise. Why? Because he's still so good to us. He's still so good to us. Amen. We owe Jesus praise because even in spite of our mess, God is still good to us. Amen. And we need to tell somebody else how good God is. Psalm 34, verse 8 from the New American Standard says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man. How blessed is the person who takes refuge in the Lord. We've sinned against Jesus, but he forgave us and he didn't take our lives. He didn't kick us out of the body of Christ. He promised he will never leave us nor forsake us. He shows us all of the love that we need, the grace and the mercy that we do not deserve. Jesus took our guilt and our shame and he moved us from sin to celebration. When we wake up every day, we ought to celebrate Jesus. Before we eat any food, we ought to celebrate Jesus. When we're going about our daily activities, we ought to just take time somewhere as we're moving around and say, God, I thank you. When we're resting our minds and our bodies and our homes, laying on that couch watching TV, laying on that bed watching Netflix or, or watching the movies or watching the game, whatever you do with that cup of tea and, and, and that sandwich, that bag of chips, we ought to say, thank you, Lord, for being so good. We should always celebrate Jesus. Nobody can do us like Jesus, whether it be Obama or Trump. You can't do us like Jesus. Whether it be Ellen DeGeneres or Oprah Winfrey, they can't do us like Jesus. Whether it be Tyler Perry or Katy Perry, they cannot do us like Jesus. The only person who was willing to die for you and me is Jesus Christ. And we owe Jesus all the praise because he's taken us from sin to celebration. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Think back over your life and all the stuff you know you did and you know you were wrong. And whenever you made up your mind to come to God, he didn't say, nah, you messed up too much. I'm not going to have anything. He opened up his arms and let you be part of his kingdom. He accepted you as a brother and sister in Christ. And now because of his blood, when God the Father looks down on you, he sees a righteous son, a righteous daughter of the Most High God. We owe Jesus all the praise because he did not leave us out there by ourselves in our sins. We ought to celebrate him all the time.
If I didn't preach to nobody but me today, it did me some good. It, it did me some good. Because when I saw that, when I saw Jason Williams Thursday, he's only, I think, 50, 51 years old. And when he said, with all I've got going on, I mean, he still has money. He didn't lose his, all his money when he went to jail. He still got money. Part of a group helping other people, doing good things, traveling with this group that he works with to help other people get off their substance abuse and, and drugs addiction, uh, addictions. He said, but whenever I begin to have any fun, he said, whenever I begin to enjoy my life even a little bit, he said, the guilt and the hurt and the shame of my killing that man always comes back to me. That ain't of God. That's not of God, church family. Should he always remember what he did? Yes. Yes. He should always remember that because of making a careless and reckless decision, he took somebody's life. But he should also be able to move from that and enjoy his life. When we, let me, maybe this will help somebody this morning. I don't know, but maybe this will help somebody. And it ain't nothing that's so deep at all. When you sin, and I sin, against, and it, and it harms another person, what we're obligated to do is to go to them and ask for their forgiveness. Right. Now, we're obligated to do that. If they choose to accept our forgiveness, thank you, Lord. But if they choose not to accept our forgiveness, Amen. it's still thank you, Lord. Amen. Why? Because the person who's going to judge you and decide whether you get into heaven and hell is not that person. It's the Lord Jesus. Amen. And in going to the person that you harmed, you were, you're being obedient to what the Lord Jesus commanded that you do. You don't have the responsibility of carrying the blame or the guilt if they, if they forgive you or not. That's, that you, that's not on you. You don't have to go back a thousand times and try to figure out, well, maybe if I do this. or maybe, No, when you go to them the first time, and, and, and if you are sincere, you're not just sorry because you got caught. You're sorry because you're really sorry Amen. that you chose to be selfish or chose to be hateful, whatever it was, and you did what you did, and it harmed that person. And sometimes there are such things as accidental uh, uh, injuries that you cause to people. But the point is, you go to them and ask for the forgiveness. God releases you from anything else at that point. Now, here's the other side, because some people will probably say, well, what about the folks that you hurt? Well, you know, well, what about them? They got feelings, too. Absolutely right. If they will go to Jesus, Jesus will give them the capacity to forgive. But that's their choice. That's their choice. Some people choose to remain angry. Some people want to feel like they've, they're holding something over you the rest of your natural life or their natural life. They're not holding anything over you if you've gone to the Lord sincerely and asked for his forgiveness. He forgives you first, and then he says, now go to that brother, that sister, that family, and ask them for their forgiveness. And if there's something you can do that they're willing to accept in the way of restoration, then yes, you, you do that. You do that within reason. You do that. But after that, you need to move on with your life. 
you need to move forward in the Lord. Because there's somebody else out there that's just where you were. They've said, they've done something that has created a problem or they've harmed somebody else. They've, they, they, and they don't know how to move forward. And you've got to be able to tell them, take it to Jesus Christ. If you're not saved, get saved. And then the Lord Jesus will help you go from sin to celebration. See, he's going, he, he, God uses every one of our experiences to, to put us in position to help somebody else. No, God didn't make you do what you did, so now you have a testimony. I ain't telling that lie neither. I get so tired of, you know, God had to let me go through. So I can, no, he didn't. He didn't know. You went through because you chose to go through. God didn't tell you to go do that. But when you chose to do it, the, we, the reason we should celebrate him is because in spite of that, he'll still forgive us. And he won't cast us away. We'll pay whatever consequences we have to pay by law or whatever else, but God will forgive us. And then he will use you to be a blessing to somebody else. And you can have peace and joy in your life. And pray for the person that you've harmed. Especially if they won't forgive you, pray for them. Ask the Lord to deal with them. Amen. If there's somebody here this morning that's not saved, come on, deacons. Deacon Jackson, join us, please. If there's somebody here this morning